They're five and ten. He sells the puck on the left wing, passes back to Hughes. Here's Miller. Shooting Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 81. 81. The Phil the Thrill episode, Phil Kessel, number 81. The hot, the hot dog man himself. It's funny, I was actually, I was at work today and I was, I was, you know, thinking about what we're recording tonight and I was like, what, what episode of 80, we're on the Phil the Thrill episode. I swear to God, I had like a, like a eureka moment at work today. I, I was thinking about it earlier today too. And for some reason I was like, who the hell wore 81? And then the only person I could think of, the last person I should have thought of was Anton Bleed. He was the only <laughs> one that I could think of that wore 80, number 81. But of course there was Dmitry Orlov as well. And I think there was a there was another as well. Um, not just Dmitry Orlov, Phil Kessel, and um, Anton Bleed, but also Miro the Hero, Miroslav Shatan. Oh, the legend. I think my uh, my guy's name in EASHL 23 was... Miroslav Satan for a hot minute there before it became Benoit Pouliot, but that's a story for another time. Definitely a hot minute. Um, <laughs> but listen, Mel, um, I opened this episode up with a very specific song. A lot of people are going to recognize the song. You know, fans of cinema, they'll recognize the song. You, as a connoisseur of Star Wars, will recognize the song. The song we opened up with today was Duel of Fates. And can I tell you why? Because this team is hot or cold. You don't know what their fate's going to be. Are they going to be? Are they going to sell some pieces off at the deadline in the next few weeks? Are they going to add a guy like Noah Hannafin? Are they going to trade Allmark, which we'll get into, by the way? But the 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 sense around this team right now and the fate of this team is virtually up in the air i don't think that anybody has a strong consensus on to you know what is actually going to happen you know come deadline day what is this team going to look like march 8th you know and it's frustrating too because i i can't think of a single element of this team that has had any sort of consistency whatsoever over the course of the season like when the season started the first 20 games, everything was roses. Everything's all peachy. Offense is humming. Defense is humming. Goaltending is humming. Jim Montgomery's doing his thing. Bruins get off to the best start in franchise history. Nothing could go wrong. And then all of a sudden, their defense sucked. Like, we still talk about it. There was like that 8-10 game stretch where their defense was horrible. Like, ter- like the defensive core was terrible. Their offensive, their, their uh, forwards, there we go. Speak, Nick. Their forwards <laughs> trying to play defense was brutal. And they were leaving uh, Omar and Swayman out to dry at times. And when they kind of got their defense sorted out, then they had that stretch where they just they couldn't score. There was like a six or seven game stretch where they couldn't put the puck in the back of the net. 
I would say your only real consistency consistency this year has been uh, most, I guess, notably the the play of Swayman. But even him and Omar have had a couple of stinkers, which is more than normal. I mean, they're still you know Swayman. I would say is still putting up godlike numbers most nights. Um, but they've just been so inconsistent, and that's what we've been saying all year is. The biggest thing come playoff time, it's staying healthy and it's playing consistent. On one night, and, and even Mike Milbury was talking about this the other day when he was on WBI, you never know what version of the Bruins you're going to get. One night, they're playing like the best team in hockey. Their offense is humming. They're forcing shots to the outside. They got the best goalie in the game. Doesn't matter if it's Omar or Swayman starting. And then the next thing you know, six straight games, they can't close it out going into overtime. Like it, it's, it's like, it's, it's truly like a tale of two teams. The, the, um, I was thinking the hot and cold song. Who sings that? Kesha? Maybe. I don't hot know. Hot <laughs> cold. Yes. Who sings that? I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know either is. way, but it's, it's, it's getting to the point where you don't know what version <laughs> of the Bruins you're going to get. On one hand, they are quite literally the one of the best teams in the NHL. I mean, their record still shows it, but like when they're on, they're on. Like this is a team that pummeled Vancouver. They've beat some really good teams throughout the course of the season. And then this is the also the same team that like can't beat the Calgary Flames. That's been that's got shit on a couple times by some really poor teams that digs themselves in these holes they just can't get out of. And for a team that had everything happen to it last year, a team that at least as long as I've been a fan has always their identity has been hard nose veteran leadership this just doesn't happen to teams that i've watched and like the inconsistency that i've seen from the bruins this year i don't remember seeing this much inconsistency from a bruins team the last x amount of years i've been a fan it's been incredibly frustrating yeah um like you said dude the inconsistency especially post all-star break the the bruins have played 11 games um since the all-star break they're three three and five um, it just, just terrible. A lot of overtime, a lot of shootouts, six straight overtime, uh, games. Yes. If you, I mean, talking about inconsistency, if you want to start way back in the middle of December, December 16th, they went on a four game losing streak, then went on a four game winning streak, <laughs> then went one in four over their next five before going on a five game winning streak, then going two and one over their next three. And then all of a sudden losing four in a row, winning two in a row, losing three in a row. And that's where we're at now. So I guess the only consistent, you're, the only consistent thing you're getting from the Bruins is if they're good or bad. If they win their first game, if they win a game, there's a good chance they're going to win a few more in a row. And if they lose, there's a good chance they're going to lose a few more in a row. Because that's to go from a four-game winning streak, four-game losing streak, three-game winning streak. three, And like those aren't sporadically throughout the season. What I just listed off is all back-to-back. That's a losing streak, followed by a winning streak, followed by a losing streak, followed by six even overtime games they're not sporadic here's six in a row for you here's the new nhl record like it's like what are we doing here yeah bruins i mean bruins are still setting records regardless of (laughs) how they're playing but um over this 11 game stretch i highlighted let me see here one two three four five six seven eight i highlighted eight players um in these last 11 games freddie jd Pavel Zaka, Morgan Geeky, Danton Heinen, Anthony Richard, Jesper Boakvist, and uh, Justin Brazo. In 11 games, 
we're talking about an inconsistency in scoring, right? Not just scoring a lot of things, but specifically scoring. If if you didn't have your bottom six lines humming the way they are, you may have scored, I don't know, a total of like six goals over this stretch of 11 games, if not for them. Trent Frederick, five points through these 11 games. That's that's good. That's not bad. Trent Frederick, that's productive. Take it. Jake DeBrusque over these 11 games, one goal, one assist, and they both came in the same game against Edmonton. Um, so take that out. He's got no points in 10 games. Great. Awesome. Jake DeBrusque, good job, dude. We thought you turned a corner, but here you are. You're just right back in your old whatever. <laughs> Pavel Zaka, two goals, four assists, six points. Um, very good. Morgan Geeky, two goals, two assists. Good. Stanton Heinen, two goals, one assist. All right. Anthony Richard, now we're getting into that fourth line that's been humming lately. Anthony Richard, a goal and two assists. Jesper Boakvist, two goals, four assists. Shout out Boakvist, because holy crap, without him, I mean, where would we be right now? <laughs> I, I never thought we would be saying that. <laughs> nope, me either. A couple of less overtime games, I suppose, if we didn't have them. Um, and then Justin Brazil, a goal and an assist. Um, but the the secondary scoring you need Jake DeBrusque to be producing Danton Heinen I mean I guess you could say he could be doing a little bit more but honestly for for his role on this team that should be more than enough to 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 you know provide offense to this team but the the common denominator that I keep looking as I'm looking down at my notebook the common denominator is Jake DeBrusque Two points through 11 games, both points in the same game, and the offense is struggling. By the way, the power play, four for 36 over this stretch of 11 games. That's an oh 11%. Dude, that is 11%. That is brutal. Brutal. And and I know DeBrusque has been struggling too, but, I mean, let's not forget as well, like Jake DeBrusque struggled the first half of the season and the Bruins were on fire like that whole stretch where they you know we just mentioned had the best start in franchise history i don't even know if jake debrusque had more than two points in those first 20 games so his, his points didn't matter then but a lot of like the issue now is just it's it, it's really sloppy hockey poor puck yeah. possession they can't keep the puck in the offensive zone uh they have trouble even entering the zone they're throwing the puck away around on defense they literally have a defenseman getting hurt every single night at this point like who's it gonna be tomorrow that's what it feels like at this point um and it's just poor hockey. It's just bad habits. It's what you're seeing every single night from this team. I don't know if they're looking ahead to the playoffs and like, you know, getting ready and rearing up. I mean, despite everything we just said, six games in a row that have gone into overtime, the winning streaks, the losing streaks, everything that people want to say, they're still first in the Atlantic. And are they still, they might still be first in the East. If they're not, they're probably second or third. I think the Rangers might have caught them. But I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that like, with everything that we're talking about right now, like it, this team that we're looking at is not the Bruins team that we saw a couple weeks ago. It's not the Bruins game that we saw like a week before the All-Star break. It's the Bruins game we saw the week before that. Or sorry, the Bruins team we saw the week before that because they've been so hit and miss this season. But um, I like I don't know where it starts. I mean, I think that you that's a really good point you mentioned about their power play. I mean, you can't expect to win games if you're going three for four, four for 34, whatever the hell it is in the power play. That's terrible. Um, you know, they have guys going down. They have, they're calling guys up. I know that they've been shuffling around guys in their fourth line. It seems like they might have finally found it. Like you just said, uh, Richard Brazil and um, Bokvist have been absolutely humming. I really like that line together. Poor Beecher, though. Um, yeah. 
but I don't know. Like I, I think if anybody sits down and watches a Bruins game, like it, it like the the team on the ice just doesn't look like the Bruins that we've kind of been watching all year. And like they'll have it for like five or six minutes. They can turn it on and start peppering shots and just dominate. And then all of a sudden they can just kind of sit back for an entire period and like let a team just completely take it to them. And uh, I think that's the frustrating part. This team is more than capable of going out almost every single night and and just beating the brakes off their opponents. They were doing it the whole first half of the year. They've beat some really good teams this year, but like some of these games that they've lost, like four one loss to Seattle, you know, losing two games to Calgary, like some of these losses are just brutal. And then the fact that you have leads in the daunted Ford F-150 <laughs> final five and you cough them away throughout the entire like I would not be surprised if Ford is calling up whoever is the president of like Delaware North and like we're like this is the last year we're doing this like this is really bad publicity for us like nobody wants to associate themselves with a Ford F-150 final five anymore because it's 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 getting ridiculous it all comes down to inconsistency and really sloppy hockey yeah, if you see somebody around New England driving a Ford, you just kind of give them the side eye. Oh. And you go, ugh, ugh, <laughs> it's almost it's like the it's like the you know the Jeep wave when you you know stick the fingers up. It's like yeah. in, in New England, if you go by a Ford F one fifty, you just roll your window down and flip them off. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> it was a bird. It, listen, if you're listening to the show and you see a Ford out there, send us a picture on Twitter of you just flipping off the car because it's this. <laughs> Is a, it's now a war because I would love to see the I would actually really, really love to see the number of goals that the Bruins have allowed in the final five minutes of a game. I'm sure that there's, that it's available out there and I'll have to look it up, but I'm sure it's a stat. And you know what's crazy too is is like this isn't the first time that we've talked about it this year. Like I know like the last handful of games we've all been ripping our hair out because of the daunted Ford F-150 Final Five. But do we also not remember the very beginning of the year when the Bruins lost their first home game on ice because they coughed against the Anaheim Ducks when they coughed up a goal with like 12 seconds left in the game and the Ford F-150 Final Five and then lost in overtime? Like this is nothing new for the Bruins. Throughout this entire year, like dating all the way back to the beginning of the year, middle of the year and especially where we're at right now it's the last it's the weaning minutes of the game they can't they can't get past to the point where i even remember i don't remember exactly what he said but i remember that jim montgomery was asked about it like what what do you do like your team is coughing away these leads and in, in the end of the like you 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 battle hard for 50 55 minutes and it's the last five minutes of the ford f-150 final five that you can't hammer <laughs> down like how do you fix that and I mean, I don't know if there's an answer other than just like tell your guys to like, you know, nut up, hold your stick a little tighter and go out there and get the job done. But like if it was that easy, then they would be doing it. I literally it's 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 too consistent of a thing for it to not be like mental. It's they like I think they're on the bench and they see that clock hit five and they just immediately like dip their heads down. They're all whispering under their breath like, fuck, here we go. Again. <laughs> <laughs> like they know it's coming. I think that the, like, Jacobs or Sweeney or somebody, they got to they gotta call ghost hunters or hire a medium or get somebody in there with some incense or something. If they go under the garden ice, I'm sure maybe there's like a satanic circle down there drawn in blood with some candles because this is bullshit. Like, there's a higher power. Something's going on here. 
I don't know how this keeps happening because it's literally every single game. And there's like, no, like, and like the, the players are more, like, believe me, they're more than uh, aware of what's going on. Like, it's not like they look up and they go, Oh wow, we've, we've coughed away a lead in the late third period. Now the last six games in a row, like, no, like they are very aware that this, what what's going on. So there's gotta be like some sort of like, get the ghostbusters in there. I don't know. Do what you gotta do. Cause there's something going on. Get a Ouija board in there and ask you questions because somebody, there's a higher power pulling some strings here. No, something's brewing with the final, the <laughs> 450 final. And five. it's not us. <laughs> no, it's not. But I will say, and I don't know if she listens anymore, but Lauren, our, you know, um, she, she, she fancies herself as the Bruins witch. So oh, that's my, right. my question is, Lauren, what are you doing? Get rid of the hex. <laughs> who with the garden piss Lauren off because either yeah. she's pulling some strings or if not she needs to go in there and, you know what? and do some damage control you know what it is it's what? that it's that Derek Forbert sucks now and that was her guy and now <laughs> that's what it is that's she what it placed is. the curse on the entire Bruins franchise yeah. Yes, she did. She did. Imagine reverse it, it. It's like the reverse, you know, like when the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth, it was the curse of the Bambino. This is like the reverse curse. The the reverse curse of the Forbino. Until the Bruins trade Forbert, <laughs> we're going to be cursed. Like, what's the trade deadline? I think it's next Friday, March 9th. I mean, March 8th. If, if Forbert is still on this team come March 9th and the day after, I mean, get used to it because this is going to be some uh, – this curse is going to be lasting throughout the rest of the season until he's a free agent. Well, great. And I, I will say I, if listen, if Derek Forbert is still like a part of the main roster come playoffs, what are we doing? No, no. (laughs) Like, just like, it's, you know, that, that would be like them just waving the white flag, being like, you know what? Fucking, we can't get rid of this guy. It is what it is. Listen, he he's the one who brings the orange slices for the team in the locker room. Like, we, you, you don't understand. Morale's going to go down. We're all going to get cramps if he's not on the team anymore. It's yeah, to the point where, like, he's he's in the lineup so much that, like, the Bruins, could, like, they, their, their top six defensemen could all be all-stars, and Montgomery would play him at wing or something. Yeah. Or they put, put him at center. Like, as long as he's in the lineup, he'd play with a third. He'd, he'd run, like, a, a two-three offense with two fours and three defensemen just to get <laughs> forward out there in the passing lanes. Can we, like, can we just reassign him? To, like, keep him with... Because clearly you can't get rid of him. So... Can we reassign him to like um, the Railers? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, like a because if that's the case, you just send him to Providence. But I mean, a new job within the Boston Bruins. So, like, a, like could he potentially be like the bus driver or the co-pilot on the jet? You know what he should do. When Todd Angeli sings the national anthem, somebody has to go up and bartend when he when he runs down to sing the anthem. That could ah. be Forbert. I don't Imagine, know, dude. He might get a couple drinks thrown his way. <laughs> That's true, actually. I'm sure the we he suddenly be like, oh, like give me give me a Bud Light. He's like, all right, and he's you know using the the tap. He's filling up the cup and he slides it over to the guy, and it just gets intercepted by somebody at the bar. Somebody's <laughs> picking off his passes when he's trying to slide the beer on the table to people. And it's not only that, but it's also not a Bud Light. It's a course. Like, dude, you can't even get it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me get a Bud Light. Here's your mojito. Yeah. 
No, Derek, I said Bud Light. Oh, shoot, sorry. Here's a Miller for your problems. <laughs> Don't look. It is not even a Miller Light. It's fucking Kevin apple, Miller. It's apple juice. <laughs> I was wondering why there were no bubbles. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. There's literally... I don't think there's a job for Derek Forbert anywhere. Oh, he can hold Todd Angeli's mic. Hold it. <laughs> Could you? Yeah. You know how funny that would look. He's just no. He's the one when Todd Angeli <laughs> comes down. He's down there like unrolling the red carpet, and then he just like he stands next to him and waits for him to finish singing. And then when he leaves the ice, he's on all hands and he's like rolling the carpet back up to get it off the ice. That's his new job. He can clean the snow out of the zamboni. Yeah, and and when he rolls the carpet for Todd Angeli, he never leaves. So like he, you know, he <laughs> rolls the carpet back up, and uh, he rolls the carpet back up, and you know, Todd Angeli leaves, and the game starts, and Forbert just stands there in the Zamboni entrance, just like waiting, and then like the the game ends, and everybody goes home, and he's still standing there waiting. And the Bruins have like a West Coast road trip like right now. And if you were to like log into the security cameras in the garden and tune in, he's still down there standing oh, in the Zamboni entrance just waiting. That's that awesome. way when the when the Bruins come back, when's their next home game here? They play Vegas uh, Thursday night. So when Vegas comes in, he's all ready to go. And he's still in uniform, rugs in his hand under his arm, waiting for Angelo to come down and sing the national anthem. Dude, I was I was imagining, just imagine this, right? Todd Angeli. You know, he, Forbert rolls the carpet out, hands Todd at the mic, but then he just kind of stands off behind Todd and Jilly, like really awkwardly still in the camera. And he's, he's just like, like ha- he's like half in view. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he's mouthing the words, but he's mouthing the wrong song. He's mouthing the yeah, Canadian anthem. <laughs> but he starts he starts to cry a little bit. <laughs> or, or even like Todd Angeli singing, and all you hear in the background is Forbert. <laughs> <laughs> like coughing in the corner. Somebody get me a water. <laughs> oh my god! I was thinking yeah. too, like an actual, like a realistic job he could have is, um, like when you're watching like the nationally televised games, like a playoff game, you know, and like they're about to cut to like TV, like a commercial, and like the cameraman's like on the ice, like skating around with the camera, like getting the good angles. <laughs> I was good to say that could be forward, but he's probably not a good enough skater to do that. He'd, he'd probably fall on his face and break that. $10,000 camera. Well, he wouldn't be able to keep up with the pace of the national anthem, dude. By the time the anthem's over, he's finally getting to the vis- visitor's bench. Like, he That's wouldn't, true. he doesn't and have he's, And time. he's already out of breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's gassed. Oh, uh, well, he's huffing and puffing. Uh, all right, that's, 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 that's four more birds segment. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but um, I mean, at this point, uh, we got a shit ton of questions in the DMs and the voicemails. Um, as always, we got voicemails from Johnny over in the UK. We got the Lobo line ready, hummed, and ready to go. Tommy coming in with another banger. Um, and uh, yeah, Mel, who, who do you think we should start with this week? Let's, um, let's take a little look-see here. Our first voicemail we got, I believe this is from friend of the show, a fellow PTP member, the Ian Kennedy. Hey, hey, host of Indie Bleeds Blue got an absolutely phenomenal new podcast logo that he put on Twitter today. Oh, Definitely yeah. go check that out. Sexy. Um, very sexy. This is his voicemail. What's up, guys? It's your boy, Ian Kennedy. First time caller, long time listener, fellow member of PTP. Uh, actually calling you guys at break at work. I know Mel being a sushi fan will love to hear this. I'm eating some uh, fried calamari. 
Tom Payton right now. But my question for you guys is, outside of Tampa, Vancouver, I guess you may be able to throw L.A. in there. They're on their way up. We've been losing to some pretty bad or mid-level teams. Um, I know this happens in some sports, but do you think some of this could be a case of maybe not taking a team all that seriously? Um, I feel like we should be playing every team as if they're right behind us in the standings. But I feel like sometimes if they're not a good team, we kind of slack a little bit and take a night off. Curious your guys' thoughts. Thanks. Go Bruins. Dude, that's actually honestly something that I've thought of as well. It's like they always play – to the they played. Level. They play down in the competition. Yeah, but but like all. But not only that, but they also play up when they play good teams. You know what I mean? It's like they aren't setting the tone. They're letting well, the tone come to them. And that's when I think the frustration. First of all, calamari. That's a great choice. I was yeah, just I talking. Calamari. I don't remember who I was talking about the other day. But dude, I love cal. Do you dip your calamari in anything? Are you like a marinara guy? Uh, marinara mostly. Oh well, do you have like? Do you get like the like the breaded and fried calamari are you like yes. the okay good yeah that's the one i like that's the good kind what yeah, they do the, it raw no like if you get it at like a nice italian restaurant sometimes like you don't it's just like white like you don't like it's not breaded you know it's like just cauliflower? like cauliflower no (laughs) (laughs) what did you just say well you said white and it's not breaded or anything and and the first white thing you thought of was cauliflower (laughs) i do all right i'll admit that's a little oh it's a left field (laughs) like last week when you were talking about getting your eyebrows done and your barber oh there's a hermit crab in your (laughs) dude i think i'm stroking out lately i don't know what's going on no, if you go to like an Italian restaurant, I think it's the Italians probably, uh, and they they make calamari, but like they don't like deep fry it and batter it. It's just like it looks like little like white rings, like what you would find if you took the breading oh, so like off a, of a fr- fried calamari, so like, a, like a lifesaver. That uh, okay, that one I understand. Yeah, all right, that one okay, makes all right. more sense. I yeah, just I need a little bit of a background. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I think that, you know, the Bruins playing down to competition, I think is when it gets frustrating because like they're, we, I, I just mentioned earlier, they're, they're more than capable of beating the shit out of these teams because yeah. they have like all year for the most part, they've beaten some really good teams this year and not just beating them. Like they've flat out dominated some teams. Vancouver was the best team in hockey for a majority of the season here. I thought they might, I think they still have the best record right yeah, now. They, I don't know if they, they still do. Yeah, and I mean they beat the shit out of them four to nothing the other day, which was big because they also lost to them what was like seven to something earlier in the season. Um, so they're more than capable of of beating these good teams. So that's why it's like, like I've seen people on Twitter say like, oh yeah, like they played on a competition and like they also play like somebody they're not like when they're playing these good teams. Like no, like that's who they are. Like they're first in the Atlantic. They're a top three record in the entire NHL. Like this team is competing. We don't want them to get it, but they're still competing for a president's trophy right now. Like that's, that's how good this team is. It's not a flash in a pan where, you know, what 50 something games into the season now, like this is who they are. And 
when they play these shit bum teams and they can't beat them and they play down a competition, it makes it even more frustrating because they're just giving points away. And I remember when you and I were talking about it earlier in the year, when the Florida Panthers were starting to catch up a little bit. And at that point the Panthers might've been like three points behind. And we were talking about, cause um, you know, like it's, 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 you want them to win the Atlantic, but you don't want them to win the president's trophy. And then I think by the next time you recorded the Bruins ripped off like three or four wins. And all of a sudden they were like eight games up on Florida. And it's like, Oh, you know, whatever happens, happens there or the Panthers going to catch them and here we are now I think they're two points behind the Bruins the Bruins are dropping points left and right because they can't win a game in regulation and now like it's kind of starting to get serious like they're going to make the playoffs they're still going to be a high seed but like I want home ice advantage I want to win the Atlantic I don't want to go into Florida if you have to play them in the playoffs and that all starts right now like if it gets to the point at the end of the year the Bruins maybe have are at a shitty playoff position they have an unfavorable matchup they don't have home ice advantage. And if you're wondering why, if you look back at these past six games now, where they've been losing games that they've literally been winning within a couple minutes left in the game, it all comes back to that. So, yeah. So, Ian, I don't know what the hell is going on with them, man. They're playing down the competition. I mean, I think there's a million things you can point out right now, but the only thing I can say for sure is that this team is better than what you're seeing right now. And I think that they just have to realize it and figure it out. Yeah, and to just kind of pivot off of something you said as well, um, the Bruins are two points ahead of Florida um, in terms of first place in the Atlantic Division, but Florida does have two games in hand. It's going to come down to the wire. Oh, God, that's what I hate to hear. All right, that was was from Ian. Our next one, I think this is from CJ, our rock-eating friend. This was a Thursday at 1.30 in the morning. What the hell were you doing at 1.30 in the morning? And who were they? Oh, this was was right after the Calgary game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad if you stayed up to watch that whole thing. Anyways, here you go. (laughs) Please, I can't believe it. I don't have to eat any rocks tonight. The teeth are saved for tonight. Anyway, I... uh, didn't get to watch the game, so that's a bit of a bummer, but not uh, gonna eat rocks when we get home, so fuck yeah. Please. Yeah, I misspoke. So that was actually right after the Edmonton game that they won six to five. That was at one thirty uh, the morning of the three to two loss to Calgary. So he didn't uh, eat rocks after the Edmonton game, but I'm willing to bet that about 22 hours after he sent this voicemail, he was eating rocks following that Calgary game. <laughs> I wonder what his favorite type of rock to eat is. Is it like gravel or does he get like a big boulder and cut it up? I feel like gravel. Gravel's like the powdered donut to the rock world. You know, it's like popcorn. Because, it, oh, oh, that might be better because I will, powdered popcorn, you know, because like you, you pick it up and like it leaves a little residue on your hands. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like, honestly, I feel like pebbles. Pebbles are the popcorn kernels Ooh. of the rock world. I wouldn't want to eat those, but I bet you the good skipping stones, you know, like you find a nice flat one, yeah. maybe, you, you know, put some ranch on there. I mean, I'm not a ranch guy. Maybe you dip it in barbecue sauce. Oof. I got, I got a little, a little, um, what's a little swamp in my backyard. Maybe I'll go digging for some rocks tonight. <laughs> yeah, you fucking shrek. <laughs> <laughs> the Bruins have been playing. I might be joining with eating some of those rocks. <laughs> oh, God. All right. We got uh, a couple more voicemails. Well, we got a shit ton of more voicemails here, but we got some here from Tommy. Tommy. Um, 
Tommy, this one was interesting. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm going to play the first half um, because he was talking about something that is very relevant to what a lot of people have been saying on social media right now. So here's Tommy. What's up, boys? It's Tommy. I hope you guys are having a kick-ass week. Hell yeah. Uh, This one might be a two-parter. I'm not really sure. Uh, We'll kind of see how this uh, rant goes. But I am going to rant. Uh, As most of you know, uh, Bruins Twitter was kind of a cesspool yesterday based on hypothetical uh, rumor, per se, that floated out in the Twitter sphere. I know Mel posted something funny. I, I laughed at it. I think I liked it. But um, uh, Jimmy Murphy, uh, he had some kind of subliminal a tweet uh, with Boston and Calgary. Okay. Good. Uh, okay. Uh, let's go to Sully, for instance. Okay, Sully, I'm, I'm, I'm on your side. I completely back you on this. Um, you're doing what you do. Speculating, you're having fun, you're poking fun. It seemed like, based on the tweet Murphy put out, it's a big time player for a big time player. Okay, so your hypothetical was per se, it's Olmark, Algary. And you're just sifting through and back your speculation. I don't, you know, I back your assessment. I don't know if you, I don't think you're in the agreement that Olmark's going to go, but the point is. Right. And that was basically what he was saying, was talking about the, uh, the the hypothetical tweet that, well, it wasn't just Jimmy Murphy. I saw a lot of people talking about uh, a trade with, you know, the Bruins in Calgary with Noah Hannafin. And I saw people were talking about Noah Hannafin and that Calgary is interested in Matt Patra and what's going on with Matt Patra. And everything kept coming back to this Noah Hannafin deal. I've seen Patra's name included. And keep in mind, these aren't anybody with any sort of uh, notoriety. You know, people, these aren't people who are in the know, I should say. These are people like us who are just speculating or throwing stuff out there, or maybe people with a couple of sources or two. But I've seen people throwing Matt Potter's name out there. I've seen Mason Morai's name out there. I've seen Linus Omar's name out there. Um, so, like, what the hell do you think? First of all, I wouldn't mind Noah Hannafin on the team. Um, I know last week I was saying, like, I want Noah Hannafin, but I also kind of want to be careful as how much, obviously, you want to be careful with how much you're giving up for Noah Hannafin. But, like, it seemed like, Noah Hannafin's camp and anybody you talk to on the street, everybody's saying he's a Bruin. He's a, he's a local kid. He's coming home. He's, if that's the case and he's a UFA, I don't want to be giving up Matt Patra and Mason Lorai in one trade to get this guy who you think is probably going to be coming to the team next year anyways. And also at the same time, is he? do you think he's going to be the missing piece that's going to push you over the top? Like The Bruins have a whole hell of a lot of issues right now. And it's more than just the defense been getting hurt and their defense playing it like Swiss cheese. I do think that Noah Hannafin would, would be a solution to one of those issues. But I feel like if you were to trade Matt Patra and Mason Lorai in the same deal, first of all, which I think is kind of crazy, but if you were to do that, and I know Patra's out this year, you're sacrificing some of your youth. And I know that Noah Hannafin is 27, but I don't know. For me, it just, it, it feels like you're making a deal that I don't think is really going to be putting you as close to the cup as you as this trade could be um and i think that i would rather just wait to get him next year when he's a free agent rather than giving up all those big time pieces that the bruins have been starving to get as long as i've been a fan pretty much yeah um the the thing about allmark if the right deal comes along i'm not opposed to it you're probably going to move on from him after the season anyways 
This team has some glaring holes that need to be filled. And if Linus Allmark can help you patch those holes and maybe improve greatly those 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 weak points in your lineup, you're 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 lucky enough to have Jeremy Swayman, who's without a doubt going to be your number one future goalie in 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 the years to come. So if you can get another piece to kind of round out your lineup in in a swap with Linus Allmark, I say do it. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with that. There's going to be a lot of people that agree with that. The thing is, <sighs> the teams are more desperate right now than they will be in the offseason next year. You're going to get more for him now than you will next year. Um, with that being said, I think it was, I believe it was Elliot Friedman and he was alluding to, to a team in Canada, the Ottawa senators shopping hard for a goalie. And he then happened to mention directly after he said that, that the Bruins have a, um, excess in Swayman and Allmark. And he thinks that if they were to move one, it would be Allmark. So, would the Bruins be willing to trade Allmark within the division? Maybe. Depends on what they could get back. I've also heard rumors, and again, these are just rumors, but I've heard that the Senators may be shopping Brady Kachuk as well. Oh. That was that was on 32 Thoughts. Um, I believe it was this most recent episode, which is why I also believe it was Friedman. It was either Friedman or Merrick that said it. But, I mean... Oh my god, dude! That oh, I, and, and shout out to Brett. I think it was Brett who said this as well because I saw him talking about it earlier. But if you can manage like an Allmark JD swap for Kachuk, heartbeat, you would do that in a heartbeat. But would Ottawa? Oh god, would Ottawa though? I don't think so. He's their captain, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. What did did I? I didn't listen to Thirty Two Thoughts. So they happen to say it all. Why Ottawa be shopping Kachuk? Um, I, it's just, I don't remember. Cause that is like, that is so dumb. (laughs) Why would they want to be shopping Brady Kachuk? You would think, but I mean, if they're getting a goalie and they're getting a winger in JD and then maybe a pick or a prospect, I'm not saying shit. Now we're too deep into this. I don't think this is going to happen, but I know. No, it's it's more so just like, I think that that is so dumb for Ottawa. Cause like, just like, Calgary should be a prime example. Like they remove Matt Kachuk from that team and everything that he brought to that team, it, they, they catapult that they sucked. It was terrible. And yeah. I know like the package, like Huberdo, they thought he was going to be better. Mackenzie Wegar has been all right. But like, I just think that that is like such a boneheaded move by trading your captain, the guy who's like the heartbeat of your team or, or shopping him around. I think that would be a huge mistake on Ottawa's part, but they're not prone to making huge mistakes. Um, I would love I would love Brady Kachuk on the Bruins. Either of the two Kachuk brothers, Matt Kachuk's better, but like those Kachuk boys, man, they would, they were born to wear the black and gold. Like their style of hockey and Dude. like everything that Brady Kachuk brings to a hockey team is everything that this Bruins team desperately needs right now. They need some grit. They need some, some shithousery, as Jack would say. Shout out. Shout out, Jack. They need some goal scoring. They need a, a a power winger who can put the puck in the net. I mean, my God, dude. Like, talk about a dream trade that you could put together. 
And I'm in the same boat as you in terms of Omark. This entire year, I've been saying, don't trade Omark. Don't trade Omark. You need Omark if you want to make a playoff run. And I still believe that you do need Linus Omark in some sense. But I think that this year, more than any other year, you've seen that like Omark is still incredibly important to this team. But if you're only taking one goalie, this is Swayman's team. Like Swayman's been a better goalie this year. This is his team. And um, you're only going to be keeping one moving forward. The thing that I'm still worried about in, in trading Olmark or moving Olmark is like the stupid stuff. Like, how does that affect Swayman? Because it's going to affect Swayman. Mm-hmm. It, it could affect his play. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've never seen Swayman play without Olmark. We've seen him play with Olmark going 1A and 1B, and he's been phenomenal his entire career here, albeit it's only been a couple years, but he's been getting better every single year. Um, I think about like their relationship and the locker room and, and, and even like heading to the negotiation table next year. Like I've been saying all along and I only bring it up because I'd be hypocritical if I said otherwise, I've been saying all along that I feel like having Linus Olmark on this team would make Swayman potentially be more than willing to take a little bit of a pay cut because he wants to stay on his team with his best buddy. And if his best buddy isn't here anymore, yeah, that opens up more money for, you know, another $5 million for the Bruins to spend. But now maybe Swayman isn't as, you know, motivated financially to want to come back here and take a little bit of a pay hit in order to stay with his best buddy because his best buddy's gone. I still think Swayman's staying either way. I mean, he's going to be the long-term goalie here. He's your, your solution post-Rask, even though you've had a solution. You know what I mean? Um, but I wouldn't be shopping Olmark. I would be listening to calls on him. I think that's that would be my methodology if you were to, to trade Big Linus. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think my, my mindset just goes back to the fact that as the trade deadline approaches, those teams that really need a goalie are going to be really desperate and you'll end up getting more for them. And if you're going to yeah. trade them anyways, like... Well, I, I also worry too about their backup solution because they don't have any other goalies fair. on their roster who have any sort of you know That's considerable fair. NHL experience. Like, I don't trust Brandon Bussey. Nothing against I, him. I have yeah. no reason to trust him. That, that right. that's a better way to say it. Yes. So I feel like if the Bruins were to trade Allmark, I would feel a lot more comfortable if they would then pick up a goalie to be their backup rather than call up Brandon Bussey. And like, who's that going to be? What's that money going to look like? Who are you going to have to give up to get somebody to do that? And um, I don't know. I mean, I think if 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 they trade Allmark for the right guy, and they make the the right subsequent moves after that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and it can really make this team better and it can it can fix fill a lot of holes that this team currently has. But if they trade Linus Olmark and like they mess up and you know they trade Olmark, they don't get a backup, they call up Bussy, Swayman gets hurt, you're screwed. Like there's there's no like you're done. Um so I don't know. So we'll see what they do. It's times like this I always say, you know, that's why I like playing GM on video games and not in real life. Because I, if I was, if I was Sweeney man, I wouldn't be getting any sleep after these last couple of weeks of games here with the trade deadline coming up. Yeah, no, I, I completely valid. But uh, yeah, shout out Tommy. Shout out Tommy. We do have we have three more here from Tommy. I'll play the first one. Now that I got my ranting done, I'm gonna have some fun. Um, oh, like overdue. It was a week ago. I thought the tributes to Brad Marchand uh, during his thousandth game, like honor, whatever they did for him. Uh, he got it from Bruins alumni. He got it from some other players around the league. I thought it was really cool. Like, like you really do see, like, regardless of like what kind of flack he gets around the league, 
there are a lot of guys that respect the hell out of him, and it was great to see. I thought the best was the Bruins alumni. Uh, you, you saw Kevin Miller. Uh, you saw Tarask, obviously, Bergie, Chara. Uh, and I, uh, you know, you saw Recky. I thought the best one was uh, Gregory Campbell. That was that was awesome. That was like a great blast from the past. And just kind of took me down like memory lane. And, and I know, like you guys talked about it, uh, talking about Marshan and just different guys he's played with and different line combinations. And just as like a fun little segment here, um, we'll do it from 2000 because I'm 30. So I'm not going to talk about guys in the 70s that play together that I didn't personally watch. Um, but so since like 2000, um, but what was your favorite line combination that you enjoyed watching? And it could be anything. Uh, like the Merlot line. That line was fun as shit. Um, one of mine. I would say I loved Mark Grecky, Patrice Bergeron, and Brad Marchand. I thought that line was absolutely fun to watch. Uh, they were very good together. Um, kind of want to hear your thoughts. I feel like a nice common one, too, is always going to be uh, Patrice, Pasternak, and Marchand, but kind of just taking a trip down memory lane here and you know going through some oldies of the past, some, some past lineups. Like, what was your favorite line combination? Uh, so, you guys have a good weekend. Coming up tomorrow night for a W and not overtime. Do we both want to say it on three? Yeah, right. Three, two, one, Merlot. Merlot line. Let's go! My can't favorite line. You can't compete with that line. Thornton, Pae, Campbell. Campbell. Dude, yeah, it, it, it gave you it gave you everything because you had your everything. you had your two way penalty killing face off monster who would lay his body on the line for he he did actually in the Stanley Cup Finals um, or Eastern Conference Finals. Gregory Campbell, you had the guy, the crazy ass super Irish ginger guy with a huge beard who's going to punch your face in. Name made for Boston, Sean Thornton, yep. Yep. and then you had the guy who could occasionally do some sort of random ass pull a rabbit out of a hat goal who had a little bit of skill to his game who was like the most you know the most electric player of the group at least in terms of offensively who could also have a, a 200 foot game as well Danny Pae I mean just the perfect line dude just chef's dude, kiss I'm not kidding you when we're done recording I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to search Merlot line highlights fuck it I that dude they hype me up every single time you know it it's it's a good line and something's there when your fourth line is so like well-known, so famous, so pop, they were selling Merlot line merchandise. Like yeah. that's, that's your fourth line. Dude. The fact that we have, the fact that this franchise is a hundred years old and our favorite line combination of all time is a fourth line <laughs> group of just guys who bang bodies is I, it, that's insane. But it's, it, I think it speaks to like, you know, how, how Bruins fans kind of respect the culture of hockey. Like, dude, they weren't the most skilled guys at all, but they could fight. They would grind. They would win battles. They would put everything on the line. Gregory Campbell, like you said, broke his ankle, I think. Or it might have been his fibula. His leg. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. And he, and he stayed on the penalty kill. And, mind you, blocked a shot while he was down <laughs> on the ice. Like, that's 
like they just played with so much heart and yeah, they're not putting up 30 goals, 40 goals, but they brought so much energy and identity to that team. You don't win the cup that year without them. No chance. chance. No chance. chance. That was one of the most fun. I mean, and if it felt like all three of them were like best friends, you know, their, their chemistry was amazing and we've talked about it a dozen times on this podcast but sean thornton's backhand toe drag dude so good i mean like it's you know talk about pulling a rabbit out of a hat i mean that line was insane honorable mention though i loved the brad marchand patrice bergeron and tyler sagan line Mm. oh my I, i mean i wanted sagan to be a center but sagan as a wing i mean i know he had he had his ups and downs here but that was the line that was on the ice there when uh, the Bruins crippled the Toronto Maple Leafs in game seven, round one, 2013. Who could forget? So honorable mention. But quick, great question from Tommy. Um, we also have two more here from Tommy. I, I also can I, I want to throw out an honorable mention too. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Krejci, Nathan Horton, and name redacted. Oh, that, that line, Horton, dude. Horton was like just such an electric player. I remember the the Horton Horton here's a woo shirts they used to. Yeah, dude. To. And you know what else was good too? Another honorable mention when Horton was gone, they replaced him with the Ginla. Yep. Oh, that was a good. Yeah. Line. I also really like the old oh. third line they had with Peverly, yeah. Chris Kelly, and yes. who was the left wing? Was it Pouliot? Um, or was pulling out a fourth liner? Shoot, I'll have to look it up. But I'll, I'll hang on. I'll look it up and then I'll. That was an electric line as well. Um, and Rich, I mean Rich Peverly is now. Oh no, that's Chris Kelly who's back with the staff now. But Tommy also talked briefly about the the tribute video for Brad Marchand. Um, my absolute favorite was Tyler Sagan when he was like, "Oh, like you know, it hasn't been easy being one of the best looking guys in the league or whatever the hell he said." The joke he <laughs> threw out about Brad Marchand. I thought that was funny, but it was cool to see a lot of these guys who have uh, come through Boston who aren't here anymore, who are still putting out tribute videos and Sidney Crosby too. Sidney, I, I mean, I, obviously it makes sense when he recorded the video for uh, Patrice Bergeron ceremony. I was like, holy shit, man. There's Sidney Crosby talking about Bergeron. And there he was again, Sidney Crosby talking about Brad Marchand in his video. So I thought that was pretty cool. You found it, out who it was. It was Chris Kelly. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be shocked when I say this name, Chris Kelly. Wait, Rick, Give me, for, give me. After you say Rich Peverly, give me the number of the guy. I want to try to guess. Chris, Chris Kelly, Rich Peverly, and seventy-three. Michael Ryder. Michael Ryder. Oh my god! <laughs> How can I forget, dude? That's embarrassing. On us, I know. I know. Holy shit! All right, we got two more voicemails here from Tommy. Here is the first of the last two. This was looks like this is right after the loss to the Canucks. All right, boys. This is freshy, freshy off the loss to the Canucks, which was brutal in every way you can think of. That's a game you don't lose. That's a game you should not lose. Um, My big concern was how that game ended. Um, Let's just start with the obvious. Uh, Jim Montgomery benching Mason Lowry the final eight minutes of the game. And you trust Derek Forward to go out there constantly (laughs) and try and shut things down. Why? I don't get it. He did a horrible job. The Brock Besser goal, the first one, I don't know if I can really fault Forbert. Like, he sort of got in position, and that was just a really good shot. But uh, the overtime goal was just a nightmare. Like, he was 
right there, and he pretty much lost his man, and at that point, it was just way too late, and pucks in the back of the net, but it's like you consistently try and shove this guy out there for no reason. It just stops. Set him on the ninth floor. I don't care what you have to do. No one's taking that contract. So it's like you're not able to get away from this $3 million uh, Derek Forber, which just absolutely sucks. But stop shooing him in and helping him find his rhythm because this is a guy that's going to cost you meaningful games in the playoffs. And speaking of that, I want to somewhat chime in on Sully's tweet, uh, which this might carry over into another voicemail. But his tweet said, and I totally agree, like, for the most part, like, with what he's saying. Like, the more I think about it, I see the price for guys like Hannafin, Gentle, Tanev, the more I think the Bruins, Sam Pat, this is a fortunate reality of having almost zero at the bargain with. If you want something big, you have to leverage Hallmark, and I don't know. Um... I do agree with Sully to, to, to a very good point. Like, you don't have assets. You don't have a draft pick until the fourth round of this draft. You don't even have a second round pick next year. You have a first. You should not be trading firsts when, I mean, and, and look, the prospect pool has come up and they look good, but you need to start, like, replenishing that a little bit and really, like, drafting guys that you can develop. Now that I've hit 20 seconds later, I'm going to go ahead and give a call back. You know, and the market's been set. Like, you have guys that went for first. I mean, Lindholm went for a haul. Monaghan got a first. You can easily imagine Hannafin's going to go for the same unless you start plucking roster players away. The issue of plucking roster players away is how do you replace those guys? Like, okay, say you remove Matt Grizzly, you bring in Hannafin to wash. But say you, like, part ways with the Jake DeBrusk, like, what are you bringing in? I, I think, like, if you ever decide to trade DeBrusk, you need to have a hockey-type trade, either, you know, a wing for a wing or a wing for a D or something. Something has to give, but the Bruins don't really have the assets to land these uh, big fish. And it's kind of always why I said this is a transition year. And you know what? Maybe, maybe it is, and they just exceeded expectations. And when you exceed expectations, uh, things happen. And now we're back on the Allmark thing, which I ranted about earlier. And I just don't really, I don't know. Like, do you leverage him out there? He has a 16 team no trade list. I mean, it depends what you can get back. I don't think you should settle. I mean, these teams are going to be desperate, but do they meet the desperate needs uh, for a guy like Olmark? Um, I think Jeremy Swayman is more than capable of handling, handling the uh, number one role, but I don't know if you dangle Olmark right now. I really don't. I wonder if you do it in the offseason where, where teams are kind of shuffling their uh, salary cap and you know maybe looking to tweak their rosters and, and kind of put together a move that is not something that's more rushed in terms of you know, as I'm doing this, you got a less than two weeks. So I don't really know. I'm kind of with Sully. I think you just, I think you maybe make some depth moves and you just, I understand Pat and just let it roll. Just, just let this roll. Uh, find some chemistry with the lines you do have and see what happens in the postseason. But, you know, definitely put your best players that you do currently have on the ice. Stop putting guys like Derek Forbert out there. It doesn't work. 
that alone will cost you a meaningful game like it did last year. That's my rant. I'm probably done for this week. Um, <laughs> it's Sunday. You guys record like Tuesday, so yeah, I'm done for this week. I hope you boys had an awesome weekend. Some ragoons and yo-yos on the dance floors and <laughs> whatever you guys do in your, in your spare time. Love you, boys. Love you, Tommy. Love you, Tom. Yeah, dude, the the Derek Forward stuff. I remember watching the Vancouver game and it because the Bruins they were shorthanded in overtime and like just an absolute masterclass from Swayman. He stood on his head that entire game, and I remember it got into overtime. Shouldn't have, but it got into overtime. The Bruins, uh, I, I think it might have been a too many men penalty. It was yep, a really it was. It, was, it was a really dumb penalty. They're now shorthanded. And uh, they cut to the bench, and wouldn't you know, but Jim Montgomery's talking to, I don't remember who the forward was, but the two defensemen were Carlo, and in big letters, the guy right there was Derek Forbert. And I went, we lost. <laughs> I think I, I even tweeted, I tweeted, like, I swear to God, if the Bruins waste a master class because they took a, a, you did. a, a too many men penalty in overtime, I'm going to lose my shit. And the very next tweet was, oh, Derek Forbert's on the ice, Bruins lost. And then right off the faceoff, I don't even think it was 12 seconds the Canucks score and they win the game. What are we doing? Like to Tommy's point, just like play the best players. What has Forbert showed you this whole year that's qualified him and given him a, the designation of being one of the best players? If you looked at the, the the post-game report card from that game, the guy who didn't play the last eight minutes of that game, Mason Lorai, was the highest rated Bruin that entire game. I know yeah. he struggled the other night, but against Vancouver, he was playing fantastic. It made absolutely no sense to bench him. And like Lorai likely wouldn't have gotten those penalty kill minutes in overtime. But I don't know, like somebody else could have other than Derek Forbert. And maybe it doesn't even get to overtime if you don't bench the guy who was playing. He was your best defenseman that game if you bench him for the last eight minutes. I just, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why players are getting benched who shouldn't be getting benched. I don't know why guys are getting penalty kill minutes and getting, you know, playing in really crucial moments of a hockey game who, like Tommy said, should be up in the ninth floor. I have a lot of questions for this team right now. And uh, honestly, about 80% of them start with Derek Forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't get it either, dude. Derek Forward. <sighs> has been the Achilles heel all season long and just doing nothing to get, I don't know. They're, they're trying. It's just, nobody wants him and we're stuck. Yeah. All right. I don't well, really, I, I don't have much else to say because Derek Forbert's just, he's yeah, like I mean, the, he's like the, he's like the uncle that you never see for reasons. And then he comes around once during Thanksgiving and it's like, I don't even and he know comes in and he gives you the big smack on the back and he's like, hey, it's me again. And you're like, nobody here even likes you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you put? Or it's like uh, it's like your aunt's like ex-husband who still comes around. Yeah, like, like not even my uncle anymore. <laughs> like, and, like doesn't even bring beer. He's mooching out of the fridge. Like, yeah. And he's yeah. and he's he's just eating shrimp cocktail the whole time. And like he, his breath stinks. And like nobody even wants you here, man. Get he, out of here. That's he brings his, he brings his dog. Oh God, yeah, and his dog is like a big. Um, I'm not gonna say a breed because I know there's gonna be somebody with that breed and get really offended. But it's just a really big. It's it's a dog that just sheds everywhere and he's getting hair all over the place. Yeah, Dorla. Okay, we also got <laughs> another voicemail from Ian. He gave us two this week. 
This was from Saturday night. So this was um, after the Vancouver game or maybe during the Vancouver game. I don't remember. Oh, boy. Uh, I promise this isn't going to be a long rant, but initial reaction, late overtime loss to Vancouver. First thing first, why does it seem like this team always takes their foot off the gas late in games and even into overtime? I mean, we gave up a two-goal lead, left it in the hands of overtime. That too many men on the ice penalty was just just inexcusable. I don't understand why we're lacking the mental part of our game late in these games so often this year. And on top of that, why the fuck does Derek Forward still have a roster spot? (laughs) I said right before overtime started, or right before the overtime resumed after the penalty, when I saw Forward was going to be on the ice, in my head I was already, oh, we're going to (laughs) lose. And what happened? He fails to cover Brock Besser when he's sitting on Jeremy Flamin's hip for an easy shot to win the game. I just don't understand it. Something's got to change. At this point, I don't even know what that change could be, but I'd like to know your guys' thoughts. I fucking hope this improves because it's rough right now. Dude, was was he is he in my room right now? I mean, he pretty much just said everything we were talking about. We're all on the same page here, dude. Forbert sucks. Yeah, that too many men on the ice penalty was inexcusable, and it all comes back to the same thing. Like, there's just mental mistake after mental mistake, and we're talking about sloppy hockey here. I mean, getting a too many men penalty. I mean, too many men penalties are always always the coach's fault, but like. It's just like this stuff that's happening. It's like this isn't even like JV hockey stuff that you're doing. Right. You're like leaving guys open in front of the net in overtime. Too many men on the ice penalties. Being benching guys left and right. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't scream uh, Boston Bruins hockey to me. Yeah. No, I, it, I think Ian is the third co-host of the show right now because he said <laughs> everything that we just said. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, with that being said. Oh, boy. Oh boy, the here most we go. Exciting part of the show. Can I get a drum roll? The Lovell Line. The Lovell Line. Let's go. All right, we got three of them this week. Uh, all three of them came on Sunday within a 35 minute window between 9 <laughs> and 9.35 p.m. Okay. Here is the first Lovell Line submission. Sun- Sunday, you said? Sunday, yeah. So this is uh, after right after the Canucks game. After the Canucks lost the night before the Seattle loss. Okay. A little recap from Wednesday. Bruins beat the Oilers 6-5 in overtime. Uh, back and forth. Super exciting. Game of the year so far, in my opinion. Uh, well, I went past Millman's bedtime. Didn't stay up to watch the game. Watch the highlights, though. Uh, Charlie back away overtime. Unreal move. Nice little backhand tucked it. I just want to know, what was your, what was your guys' reaction uh, when Charlie Bing goes no OT there? Because I was all like, 
Yeah, boy, cut out. I think I think I gave like a fist pump, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> it was. Um, I, I think that was. He probably. I bet you, as he was going in, and he was in the middle of his move. I bet you, he was thinking to himself, "Don't you ever put Shattenkirk in front of me in a shootout again?" Because man, dude, that little backhand tuck there he had on that goalie uh, was very nice. Um, nice and Oloval gave him his longest yeah boy ever. <laughs> Wait, what was your reaction? Oh, I had to give an actual one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like a little like uh yeah. <laughs> like, <"Whoa!" laughs> like a like like a character from Halo. Yeah. <laughs> like a Sims character. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> this is the sound effects uh, segment of the show. Ow! Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> When I read the Bruins do something good now, it's going to be me on my couch. Yippee! Yippee! <laughs> Mario? You sound low. You sound like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, wow! Oh, yeah! Okay. Whoa! <laughs> All, right. All, right. All right, we got two more in the Lobo line here. Uh, here's the first one. Back to the Edmonton game. Uh, one big thing that stood out to me was fucking pack of Wetherspoon, dude. Fucking Chuck and Max, of course, every dude. This guy's great. This guy fucking nails, dude. This guy's fucking a beast. Parker Weatherspoon. I like him. I really hope they uh, bring him back next year. He's on a one-year uh, league man, 775 right now. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? Would you like to have Parker Weatherspoon back next year? And if so, uh, would you lock him up? Uh, Maybe like one to two, even three years, and for how much? Uh, yeah, uh, Parker Wilderspoon. I would, I would love Parker Wilderspoon back up. Um, <laughs> Me too. In terms of contract, th- say three years, maybe like, I mean, one point two. I don't know. <gasps> That's the exact figure I had in my head. Three years, <laughs> really? three years, one point two five. That's what I would offer Parker Wallace. Yeah. And I think I mean, he's. I think you can like if you give him that contract, if you can kind of lock him in as your third pairing, seventh defenseman kind of guy. It's a lot better than the three million dollars you're paying the guy to do it right now. So, yep. yeah, and then you don't have All to right. worry about his contract becoming immovable. Exactly. All right, now we got one more submission to the Louisville line. This one is uh, just over two minutes long. I can see that it's still bolded, so neither you or I have heard this yet. Ooh. Let's take a little gander into the mind of Lovell. All right, recap of Calgary, Vancouver. Uh, back-to-back games, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, salvage point, get them on point, yeah, that's cool, whatever. But Vancouver, what the fuck? Swain was playing on real. We got 2 nothing lead going into the third. We got to close that game out there. I'm kind of getting pissed. It's pissing me off. I'm an avid, you know, positive guy. Fucking be tire pump here. But, dude, it's getting on my nerves here. Get on my nerves. 
And I feel like every time we lose an OT, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we got the point. You know, at least we got the point. Uh, and, like, press conferences with the players and all these, like, Monty, Monty's always like, yeah, you know, it's like, good to get the point, blah, blah, blah. Do we got to start closing games out here. It's, it's, so, it, it's almost March and April's going to come around. We got to start, you know, stringing together some wins. Teams, if you want to win a cup, you want to go on a run, you got to get hot around that time, you know, leading up to the playoffs. So it's pissing me off here about the whole, you know, oh, just get the points. We want, all right, if, if you take away, if you take away the, the point uh, to the playoff, or not the playoffs, an overtime loss, we, we've, we've lost 25 times. We have 13 overtime losses, 12 regulation losses. So we're 34 or 25, essentially. So his point to the Bruins basically being 34 and what do you say, 25? Mm-hmm. So right now it would be 34 and 26. Um, <clears throat> remember in the beginning of the year when we were all clowning on Toronto for like barely having any regulation wins? Yeah. Right now the Boston Bruins have 31 regulation wins. Toronto has 29. Florida has 37. Detroit has 30. Tampa Bay has 30. And then Buffalo, 26, Ottawa, 23, Montreal, 18. Um, But when you compare that to a team like Vancouver, they have 38 regulation wins. So he has a point. He does have a very valid point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I I mean, the points points are nice, but, you know, like Global said, I mean, when when you have two points in hand and you're just giving them out like Oprah at this point, like they're just (laughs) handing out points left and right. They can't close games out. It's definitely frustrating, Uh, especially like we just said. I mean, they have the Florida Panthers now breathing on their breathing down their necks. Um, And, you know, this huge lead that they've had uh, points of the season in the Atlantic Division is shrunken to just. Uh, they're two points up and Florida has two games at hand. So these are games we mentioned before too, that, you know, you can look back at the end of the year where the Bruins end up and uh, you know, this could be a little stretch here that they would want back. Um, Ugly, ugly hockey. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we have for the voicemails, but, but I did get myself a little voice memo from Johnny. Oh yeah, we both got one then too. So oh we got two, baby, we got a Johnny double up special. Oh god, I'll play mine first. Um, right. Yeah, so we got it from Johnny Drummondville. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's make a bet. What's the first word that he says in the in the voice memo? Hello. Mine is going to be greetings. It's going to be. I think he's going to say greetings, you Boston buggers. <laughs> All right, let's see. Yeah, have you listened to yours yet? No. 
I haven't listened to mine either. I've been saving it all day. Um, all right, it's from Johnny Drummondville. You can follow Johnny on Twitter at that Johnny D. This is my message from Johnny. Johnny Batman here, NHL commissioner. <laughs> I think you're going to want to hear this. I have a trade to announce. 47 years ago this week, the seminal hockey movie Slapshot hit the cinemas. Something Bruin and UK want to trade Slapshot for the clearly superior Youngblood. <laughs> the only thing better than cold beer is tea with Miss McGill. Pigeons. <laughs> wait, wait, he said trade Slapshot for what? He wants to trade us Slapshot for Youngblood. I'll do that trade. I would do that trade in a heartbeat. Johnny, you lost that trade, dude. You just got, you not, just got fleeced. Not, um, um, sorry. I'm just Googling something. Not uh, a very good trade on Johnny's part. Um, I mean, Slapshot, dude, is a, is a, is a classic. Are you kidding me? I mean, they're, Damn, like uh, not even just in the hockey genre. I, there's uh, there's few movies I would think that I wouldn't trade for for Slapshot. The Hanson Brothers. I mean, that's legendary. I mean, how many? Who? What kid grew up playing hockey that didn't dress as a Hanson brother at least one Halloween? Yeah, I mean it's classic. I mean that's you got to work on your uh, trade negotiating skills, Johnny, because that was brutal. We're fleecing uh, the UK right now. Holy shit. Yeah, that sounded like one of my mock trades. Uh, <laughs> here's here's uh, Johnny's message over to me, his, his second voicemail of the episode. The following audio is closed captioned for the intellectually impaired. <laughs> Good afternoon, you Boston Bluins, you overtime-seeking blackguards. Johnny here from the UK, and as a mere observer, a nosy neighbour, if you like, peering through my net curtains at the Bruins from afar, similar to the way I do at the lady at number 12, cooey, Mrs. Jones, ding dong, I have observed, indeed, a strange week. It started off last episode on something Bruin, when self-proclaimed history buffs, Messrs. Sullivan and Melanson, gave us this rich, enlightening insight into the UK's history and culture. You and I were both history buffs, they said. You know I'd be wearing the big hat, playing the trumpet, and that. <laughs> it was almost like how the listener was indeed transformed back to London of 1860. Talking of history, at pagan days, we would build a giant wicker man and fill it with people and make a wish to the pagan gods and sacrifice for a change of fortune. The following, please proceed to the wicker man for ceremonial burning. Derek Forbort's alarm clock. You missed a team meeting. Oh, really, sir? What else were you doing? I know what you weren't doing. Covering block bloody Besser. You... <laughs> Doofus, David Pasternak's shootout move. Please proceed to the wicker man. David, I love you. In fact, so much that I want to name my firstborn David after you. But sadly, my wife objected and named our daughter Haley instead. But please, I'll proceed, as they say in Czech. The sexy, slithering, serpentine shootout with the fluffing shot is not working. Fluffing is fine in adult movies, but not in the shootout. Turtle pip, you buggers! <laughs> that 
would have been the best one yet. That was the best one ever. Oh my god. Yours is so much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> the wicker man. The wicker man. Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't even know what to say. That was that was the that was the greatest voice memo message we've ever received on this show. That's number one so far. Oh that is absolutely god. number one. So the wicker man burning. I'm assuming not a, the real person, but an effigy of this said person should bring good luck to the team. So I hope it works out. I hope that it's internationally covered when they put up the big wicker man in London Square or wherever <laughs> they do it. <laughs> and I hope it brings the Bruins good fortune. Oh, my God. That was. Listen, I'm. If the Bruins go on a winning streak, I hope everybody knows that Johnny is responsible because he, he filled the wicker man up with the negative Bruins energy. <laughs> Derek Forbert's alarm clock. Honestly, that might actually hurt the team because clearly Derek Forbert's alarm clock isn't working. And I don't and I don't want him playing. So if you leave him with the broken alarm clock, let him sleep in and miss team meetings. And suddenly you don't have to worry about him being in the lineup and not covering Brock Besser in front of the net on a four and three penalty kill in overtime. Yep. All right. Wow. I don't know how anybody's going to follow that up, but I'll tell you what, Johnny Jack is going to try. Do do you have any more voice memos or messages now? No, that was it. All right. Well, we're, we'll, we'll stay in the UK. Of course, this time we're going to our friend of the show, Jack. You can follow him on Twitter at a Jack B underscore Jack said, Hey team, naturally we've beaten the Oilers, then lost to the flames yet again. Flames are becoming the new Detroit. They're shit, but we cannot find a way to beat them. Luckily playoffs wise, they're not looking likely. Oh, to Vancouver. And all I can wonder is how many points have we dropped from winning positions this season? More specifically, how many points have we dropped from being ahead by two plus goals? A genuine concern for me is these late goals we keep conceding. Come playoff time, this is going to raise. This is going to rinse us. Conceding with one minute left in the clock, then playing a full period of overtime each match as a result could be the wake-up call we needed to, t- to keep it tight right to the end. Question this week: Who do you think had the toughest job as a Bruins captain? Marshy must be in with a shout as he's bridging the gap between the Bergy the Bergy era and that ridiculous season last year and yet we're still flying high. Cheers. That's a good question, dude. Ooh. Um honestly, job as Bruins captain. Here's it, it, here's my answer and here's my rationale. I'm going to say Zdeno Chara has Oh, I was going to say the same thing. I'm thinking we probably have the same reasoning too then because he mm-hmm. He was brought in to change the culture. I mean, a lot of people are t- are too young to really remember what impact he truly had immediately, like right when he was brought in. His whole itinerary as captain changed the culture, bring this organization back to its winning ways. Um, I don't want to say establish dominance because that's not the right word, but like establish yourself as a presence in the room and lead by example. And turning a team around like that, who over the before he signed the past 15 to 20 years, they really weren't what they used to be. He came in and he he did exactly what he had to do, change the organization, change the culture. We still see remnants of his captaincy here today in in guys like Brad Marchand. Obviously, he helped Charlie McAvoy come into the league. Um, 
and the winning ways and the culture that he established is still here. So I, I say Zayn Chara. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. And to be fair, I, I, I wasn't a Bruins fan in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way up until 1998 because I wasn't born yet. <laughs> so I can't, you know, speak on like what those captains did. But I know like, you know, like from your Bobby Orr to your Terry O'Reilly to Ray Bork, like the culture of the Boston Bruins was always set in stone. Like it was the, you know, the big bad Bruins, they're rough, they're tough. And when Chara came in and Joe Thornton left, I mean, there was like a handful of years there where this team was just totally lost, like no culture, no direction. They got so far away from who this team was for the last, what was that? 70 years at that point that signing Chara was more than just bringing in this elite Norris caliper winning defenseman, like signing Chara was bringing in, the Bruins, like bringing in this new culture, this direction of the team, signing Chara was um, uh, people with more notoriety than us, people with, you know, uh, actual uh, NHL experience and have been on like NHL network and whatnot have said that the signing of Zidane Chara is one of the biggest free agent signings in the history of the NHL because he single-handedly brought in the culture that essentially you could say saved the Bruins. I mean, these last... 20 years since Chara first signed with the Bruins. I mean, the culture here has been so strong. You know, the president's trophy, we've been to three cups, won a Stanley cup. I mean, there's no denying the legacy that Chara built here, that he left here. And it goes so much farther than what he did on the ice. It's everything in the locker room. It's to the people in the hallways. It's holding everybody accountable. And that was something that this team needed. And, you know, like that, that was nowhere to be found before Char came in here. And it wasn't like he was drafted by the Bruins. It wasn't like, you know, he was the guy that they molded into the role. No, he's a guy who has a very interesting story himself, who came from halfway across the world, spent his career in New York and Ottawa, signed as a free agent to come be the captain and to change this franchise. And he delivered. And for that reason, I think he's hands down, in my opinion, in your opinion as well, uh, the guy who had the toughest job as a Bruins captain. And I think that um, he is, I don't think anybody has ever done as good of a job as captain of a team than Char has for the Bruins. Yeah, 100%. All right. I also got another message here from McJoink. McJoink, baby! McJoink! You can follow McJoink on Twitter at McJoink. I always laugh when I say that. (laughs) There's something about people having the same at as their username that just makes me laugh. Um, McJoink said, hey, new questions for the podcast today. Watching the Bruins these past six overtime games has been brutal, but there have still been a few positive developments. As a result, I have one sad question and one happy question. Sad question. Where is the pushback in this team? Mm -hmm. Why is Swayman our enforcer now? Who do you Mm -hmm. guys think needs to step up and what do you think needs to change moving forwards towards the playoffs? Is it more mental or does it call for more of a structural change? Let's answer that one first before I get to the happy question. Okay. Where's a, where's a pushback in this team? I'm still looking too, man. I don't know. I'm looking at the rocks. I'm looking everywhere. I mean, maybe the pushback in this team is, is on another team right now who we'll see in a Bruins sweater a week from now. I don't know, but um, it's definitely been discouraging watching this team like physically and emotionally get it taken to them. And nobody does anything except for Swayman. Like you said, Swayman's your enforcer now. I am so sick of Jeremy Swayman and Olmark for that matter, but I'll, I'll pinpoint Swayman because Swayman fights back. I'm so sick of him getting swarmed by mm-hmm. 
whatever by by the other team around the crease getting poked at pushed around in the crease while the defense and whoever else is down there just watches and lets it happen somebody grab somebody and put him through the ice. I don't care if you get a two-minute penalty. You don't let anybody touch your goalie. Because if you let that become a trend, then that's how the greasy goals happen. They're not afraid to go to the net. And some screwy goal is going to happen. And it's going to cost you. And it's all because, what, you were afraid to go to the penalty kill for two minutes? Stick up for your goalie. Stop letting your goalie take shots. And stop letting your goalie be the one to stand up for himself. That should... That doesn't fly in squirts. It doesn't fly in peewees. Certainly doesn't fly in juniors. Definitely doesn't fly in college. Doesn't fly in any level of hockey. That's like the first thing you learn. I don't care. If I was Montgomery, I would say, I don't care if you get a penalty. Don't let anyone touch Swayman. We'll kill the penalty off. So be it. Yeah, which is pretty embarrassing when you have to uh, have your. It's almost like, like, you know, like in football, like the quarterback takes care of his lineman because his linemen take care of him. In hockey, like your goalie takes care of your defenseman because your defensemen take care of him. And the Bruins right. just, they're not protecting them. They're not protecting the house. Like you see a scrum now and everybody just kind of stands around like, oh, blue, let's go. Let's line up the faceoff dot. No, go. You don't have to be like Rempy and get in five fights your first, you know, five consecutive games. But like, Jesus Christ, like do something. Go knock some skulls. The Bruins defensemen, they're big guys. Like Forbert, whatever you want to say, big dog, 6'3. Hampus Lindholm, 6'3. McAvoy is like 6'1, but he, I mean, he hits like a truck. I mean, they, Carlos, like 6'4. Like they got some Laura. I know he's, you know, fresh baby face. He's like 6'6. He's a monster. But like, just go out there and do something. Like, holy shit, throw somebody on the ice. Rub some dirt in their eye, damn it. Like, I don't know. Like, just <laughs> sack up and sucker punch somebody sometimes, you know? Like, it, it, it yeah. pisses me off. Um, all right. Happy question. I love. Justin Brazil. The fourth line needs a solidified identity. And I think Brazil and Boakvist are a good core down there. What do you guys think Brazil's role needs to be in the lineup for the Bruins to make a deeper playoff run? Honestly, I, I wish I he would 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 fight somebody one of these days. I wish he would he's a big guy. I wish yeah. he would throw his body around a little bit more than he has been. Yeah, I just don't think that's his game though. And yeah. the I I wish we could have Beecher up because Beecher brings that identity with him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like the team as a whole had more of an identity when him and Lori were both in the lineup. Obviously, include Potter in that too, but he's up for the season, so you can't. But I, I, I mean, I don't. I I wish Beecher had a solid spot in Boston because his faceoffs. He's a king of faceoffs. He plays great 200-foot hockey. He's a great skater. He brings identity. He brings weight a little bit. And he gives you 110% effort every game. I, I'll i be upset if they trade him at the deadline. I will be. Mm, yeah. I will be. Yeah, me too. And it, and it stinks too because like when he got sent down to Providence, everybody was like screaming with their heads cut off. And totally understand why because he deserves to be on this team. But now it's like, oh, man, like, I don't know, like her fourth line's kind of humming. I just, I don't know. I feel bad for the position that he's in, but we'll I just see don't what know if does. The way that the fourth line is built right now, I don't know if that line is built for playoffs. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm worried about. It's a small, speedy line, but they don't have that um, grinder on that line. And I think that's what they were hoping Brazil was going to be. Yeah. All right. We got one more question from, uh, again, 
right in the nick of time. We got another question from Connor. You can follow him on Twitter at con underscore dog 26. He sent this in uh, 17 minutes ago. He said, staying on brand, sending in last minute questions, hoping it makes it in time. Glad you guys loved the question last week. I'll keep them coming. If you could be line mates, if you could be line mates with any two players in NHL history, who would it be and why? Like Marshawn, Bergeron, Crosby, Malkin, etc. Anyway, what the hell is going on with the overtime shootout losses? I don't think it will be an issue come playoff time since it'll be five on five, but we got to stop giving up goals in the Ford F-150 final five. Makes me want to <laughs> eat rocks waking up to see we lost it overtime again. <laughs> All right, if you could be line mates with any two players in NHL history, who would it be? And I think he means like players who are like... You would be the third guys like Marshawn Bergeron already aligned. Crosby, oh Crosby, Malkin uh, aligned. Although I, I like it more that way. So, ooh, if you were the third fiddle in the line, oh man, in NHL history, um, fuck. Let me think. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm, not, I'm gonna stay away from the Bruins. Put me on the Merlot line. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, that would be sick. Um, um, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I can think. Like, I know. Um, I mean, I know players on other teams. I don't know if I know their lines per se. You know what? Put me on a line with Crosby and Chris Kunitz, and I will go. I, I will stand on this hill that Chris Kunitz is a is a product of Sidney Crosby, and. Um, like I think he had like one 20 goal season before the Penguins even got him. He made Team Canada because of his repertoire with Crosby. I get it. I'm not arguing that. It didn't hurt him anyways. They still won gold, damn it. But I'm just saying, I think in, in 2014, Chris Kunitz had 35 goals. If Chris Kunitz was on any other team in the NHL and he wasn't playing in the same line as Sidney Crosby, I would bet my house that he would not have a single 30 goal season. And that is, but despite yeah. that, I'll, I'll pick their line. Put me on a wing, Nick, with Crosby and Kunitz. I'm going to say, put me on a line with Martin St. Louis and Vincent LeCavalier. Oh, that's, that's my line. oh, man, that's a that's, good one. That's my line. And you know what? When when you're on a line with them, you could talk uh, LeCavalier into drafting Slefkovsky. True. Okay. Hey, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 years from now, there's going to be this guy, and he's going to be coming up in the draft. <laughs> You're going to be with Montreal. <sighs> Did you find another good one? No, we have a late submission oh, to the voicemails. You know what else could be a fun line? Uh, Kopitar and Dustin Brown. That would be fun, too. That could that be a be good fun. time. Was Mark Recchi and Eric Lindros, were they on the same line? I don't know, I but I mean, you would only get to play with Eric Lindros for a handful of games because, I mean, he gets hurt like walking down the stairs. That's true. <laughs> um, we did get a late submission for the voicemails. This comes in from Island Stew. Guernsey oh, Stew. Guernsey! All right, here we go. And um, we missed them last week. So it's like, what time is it? Eleven forty-five. I've just finished watching Bruins against the Kraken, and what? Yet again, we've gone over overtime. Yet again, we've lost in overtime. This team is stagnant. That's what I can really say. I mean, oh, God, I'm so deflated. It's just, we just need a change. Um, You need, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. Bring 
beat her up, try Laura, um, bring Lysel for a stint up. Um, I don't know. Uh, one thing I noticed, um, Laura, I looked a bit snake bitten out there. He made a few defensive mistakes. It was a bit annoying, but um, he wasn't uh, as effective in this game. Um, ref, the referees were crap, but you can't depend on referees being on your side to win a game. Um, yeah, crap game. Glad I stayed up this late to watch it the next day. Um, we've got what, uh, Knights, Vegas Knights, Islanders, and then Toronto. I literally can't see us winning either any of those games <laughs> when we're playing unless they shake things up. Sounds drastic, but you know, fuck it, like, might as well trade someone or, you know, bring someone up or do something to shake the lines up. I don't know exactly what, but something needs to happen. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. Night, Stu. Um, so, good night, Stu. Um, so, obviously, Stu doesn't live in the States, so he was just catching up with the game. Uh, so that was a raw reaction. He sounds so <laughs> he's deflated. Sad, dude. He he's sounds sad. so defeated. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I can, I can totally see why I, uh, yeah. the te- I mean, I don't know if the answer to the Bruins problems are out there in uh in a trade. I mean, I hope they are. I think that Don Sweeney is probably hoping they are too, but who that is, what that means, who's going out, who's coming in. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely right. You know, the, Bruins have Vegas coming up and uh, Vegas Islanders, Toronto, Edmonton, Toronto again. I mean, the Bruins picked a really bad time to have Toronto twice in a row. Although it could be a good time because like it could, it could, those could be the games that, you know, the Bruins really turn around and that could be the light at the end of the tunnel. But um, if the Bruins continue the skid that they're on and they, I mean, I don't see them beating being Vegas and if they lose those two games to Montreal oh I mean sorry uh, Toronto I mean yeah oh disaster class disaster but yeah so shout out to uh last second voicemail always love it should we jump into this? <laughs> <laughs> do you have another do you have another voicemail or another DM oh or sorry you're waiting on me um <laughs> no nope that's it all right, cool. So now we'll jump to the um, – we'll go through these kind of quick because we're approaching two hours. Um, but we did put out the tweet, the recording day tweet to send in questions, and so we'll run through those really quick. This one comes in from Positive, longtime listener, uh, uh, big-time question contributor to the show, at um, Ali King. Give him, a, give him a follow on Twitter. They said odds that the Bruins get into playoffs with only involving – Overtimes. Oh, I read that. I read that question wrong. Oh, okay. So I was at work when he initially sent this. I thought he was saying if the Bruins only get extra, like get one point for the rest of the season, yeah, will they make playoffs? So I calculated it. Well, now my response to him makes no sense because it's, <laughs> it's, it's Zach Galifianakis and the math thing. Um, anyways, if the Bruins. Uh, I'll just go through this anyways. If the Bruins um, only managed to get a point 
in every game for the rest of the season, they'll get 22 points, and that still puts them at 104 points. But to your question, your real question, <laughs> and not my melted work brain, you know, reading it. If the Bruins go to overtime every game in the playoffs, I'm not going to lie. That would be kind of entertaining. <laughs> as long as they win. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be able like, like last year, like we're all, you know, staying up at night because Marshawn had more time on the clock yeah. than he realized on the breakaway. If, if the Bruins like get knocked out of the playoffs because they lost every single game in overtime, First of all, you would know it would be because they coughed the lead up in the Ford F-150 Final Five. And yep. second of all, if I had to go to bed knowing that the Bruins lost four consecutive games because uh, they couldn't score one more goal than the other team when they lost in extra time every single game, I, like, oh my God, I would move to Siberia and you'd never hear from me again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so shout out to Ali King, at Ali King again. Give him a follow. Um, the next question comes in from Joe Espo. Shout out to him as well. I've seen him Shout in the questions. Um, give him a follow at Austin's Joe. Um, would you rather have the Bruins make the playoffs while having the Swiss cheese defense they have now and make a run slash win the cup or have them figure their issues out now in hopes they make a run slash win the cup? Um. Depends on where you're going to – yeah, sorry. Depends, <laughs> depends on what you give up, right? Yeah. Like like you, like you, I've said before, like you don't have a ton of assets that you're just willing to kind of send willy-nilly, right? Like be careful with your assets. Um, I'm honest to God more in the camp of don't do that much. Yeah. No, I'm don't, with you too. Like don't overpay for anything. And I mean, that's why it's frustrating too, because like we've like this Swiss cheese defense, we've also seen them like play really well and lock shit down. And that's when yeah. it keeps coming back to like, they're more than capable of doing it. It's just having to go out there and do it. Yeah. And like, sure, there are guys out there you can trade for that are going to help, but you also have the guys in the locker room right now who should be able to get the job done. And if you're trading for a guy on an expiring deal like Noah Hannafin, you do run the risk of giving up some significant assets and having him leave you in free agency. And for a team like Tommy was saying that is already so depleted in assets, like you only want to roll the dice if you know it's going to put you closer to winning a Stanley Cup or if you know that they're going to resign. So if that's if you know that Noah Hannafin is coming over with a long with an extension like the Lindholm deal, all right, like I, I would be willing to give up some assets to do that because he's twenty seven, he's his age is right with his core, um, but there's like there's a lot of questions that if I was Don Sweeney and I'm approaching this trade deadline. I would like every single move that comes across my desk. I am at, there's 10 quests, sub, subsequent questions that come out of that. Does it make us better? Uh, does it, does it, you know, jeopardize our future? Is this guy going to sign? Is he going to like, I, I don't know. And that's why uh, the trade deadline is so goddamn exciting, but it is also so stressful for uh, fans of a team that are going through a slump like the Bruins are right now, a week before the deadline. Yep. So uh, shout out to Joe again. Give him a follow at Awesome's Joe. Give his football podcast a follow as well at a college FB pod. Um, talking all college football. Shout out to him. Shout out to the pod. Um, but the next question comes in from Pavel Zaka's number one fan. Ah, Laura. Um, Laura coming in at King of Ping 18. Give her a follow on Twitter. Zaka's biggest fan. Um, she said, 
What's up with only one line working till the end? Last night, it was the Czech brusque. I love that. It was the Czech <laughs> brusque line in the couple games before. It's been the fourth line. Drives me nuts. We got to push through till the end. If only one line is producing, do you spread them around or keep them together? Um, she then said, Monty separated the fourth line because they were working hard. I don't know how to feel. Also, should we call it Beecher? I say yes. Um, we're struggling in the faceoff dot. And then she said, besides Pav doing amazing, couldn't be happier when it really <laughs> matters and goals are coming from it. Very frustrating. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. I think I saw her tweet today as well that um, I think Zaka won like 50% of his faceoffs yeah. in the last two games. So, I mean, yep. he's been great. We've talked with him a lot too about how uh, good he's been on the dot this year. But yeah, I mean, spreading spreading players around. First of all, it's extremely frustrating having only one of your one of your lines show up. Um, I think it was Tommy. Tommy's had a couple tweets the last couple games here where like three of the four Bruins lines are doing well. And I hate to say it, but it might've been Zaka's line. Like one of these last recent games here where they had like three uh, goal scoring changes created and like 16 against or something, just absolutely brutal numbers. And honestly, you look at that any night and it's a different, it seems like it's a different night all the time. Um, so I think right off the bat, you know, moving some of these guys around is, could be an answer, but like that, that's what Jim Montgomery has been doing all year is shuffling guys up and down. Um, so like it, 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 and it, that's when it gets really annoying because like a lot of the stuff that the Bruins are doing, like you can stay up late at night and stare at your ceiling and try to come up with an answer of like, why are they playing like this? Why are they doing this? Why is this guy getting benched? Why are they doing these with these lines? And like the only thing I keep saying to myself is like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> like I really don't know. I don't know if there's an answer to making um, your lines play more consistent. That's going to work because they've tried moving guys around and it hasn't worked. They've tried. We all saw what happened when Bruce Cassidy was here. I know this is a different team, obviously, but they've also tried, you know, sticking guys together for a prolonged amount of time, even when it wasn't working, keeping them together. And it still didn't work. Um, uh, like it just feels like I just want to kind of smack some of these guys in the face and say, wake the hell up. Like, like you're, you're capable of doing so much more than this, but I don't know. It's frustrating either way. Yeah. No, like, I mean, Monty's been switching up the lines all year. So like it, it he can keep trying, but ugh, I don't know. I, He's I running out say, of combinations. Dude. He, yeah, he, yeah, he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, he's literally tried everything. I bet he had a spreadsheet out of like, how many different combinations can I make out of this line? <laughs> you know what I mean? First line next game will be like Bokvis, Pasta, and Geeky or just something the, stupid. The craziest part about that is that doesn't even like I can. I, it would probably Bruins, work. <laughs> Pluto Shinzawa will put the lines out tomorrow and it will be Geeky, Bokvis, Pasta, and we'll all be like, all right. I guess that's what I'm doing <laughs> no, tonight. No, the only thing people would be like, concerned about was having Lauko penciled in as the fourth defenseman. They wouldn't even pay yeah. attention to that, that line. Too. <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, Zaka over this stretch of games, he's not the problem. He's like Laura said, um, he's been good on the dot. Um, he's also got six points through these 11 games. So he's not the issue. It's, it's somewhere else in the lineup, but um, yeah. So shout out to Laura again at King of ping 18. Fam, give her a follow. Um, oh, yeah. But this next question comes in again from Johnny. This time he sent in two voice memos and a uh, DM question. Wait, can you read his his question? Like how he would read it? Do, do you think he'd get offended? I don't think so. No, I think he'd love it. All right, as long Johnny, as he knows it's from a good place and it's all out of love. 
Yeah, Johnny, this is all out of love. Um, here I go. <clears throat> Greetings, you Boston buggers. Do you think that the only thing stopping prospect Fabian Lysel being called up is the organization not wanting to undermine his AHL coach who very publicly gave the youngster a vigorous tongue lashing early in the season? A creative speedster with zest would surely help. <laughs> I love you, Johnny. I really hope you enjoyed that. I love you, Johnny. It sounded just like Johnny. Did it? Um yeah, dude. Like, what the hell is going on with Lysel? I thought we, but before the season started, people were saying that they thought this was going to be the year we were finally going to see him crack the roster. And like, I understand, like, the Bruins have called some guys up left and right. But if you told me before the season started that Richard would get called up, a guy I'd never even heard of, they would sign Brazo, a guy I've never even heard of, and that they would get starts and they would be playing games and having more impactful minutes and producing in the NHL before Fabian Lysel has. I would call you crazy. So I don't know what the hell's been going on with him, but um, I mean, this team's been sputtering as of late. Your fourth line isn't the issue. I think if you were to call up Lysel, he'd probably get third line minutes. Um, but when we've said it a thousand times, I mean, who the hell cares at this point? Give the kid a look and see what he can do because like Johnny said, he's a, he's a zesty winger with some speed and uh, let's see what he can do in here, you know? Yeah. Uh, nine points in his last 10 games as well in progress. Whoa! So. What happened? You, th- you think Merkulov is going to get another call up? Probably not. He's getting traded. He might be gone. <laughs> um, let's see. So, yeah. So, shout out Johnny um, at that Johnny D. Again, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I certainly did. But this next question, again, a guy who sent in some voice memos, a PTP member, um, the one, the only, Tommy Bennett, one of the best writers. Tommy. Just always coming out with some great articles. Um, oh, yeah. I so heard he's got a, a pretty good podcast coming out soon, too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I heard it's Stay in the tuned. works. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, but, yeah, if you don't follow him, it's at TJ Bennett. Three T's at the end in 37. Um, goes extremely in-depth in his articles. They're very, very well-researched, very well-worded. Um, and his articles are can't miss. So he asks, truthfully – do you trade DeBrusque? The Oilers game was his first goal in a calendar month. DeBrusque is who he is, but I think looking big picture, the time is really now to move on unless a really nice team-friendly deal is in place. Not only was that his first goal in a calendar month, but that was also, as we mentioned earlier, his only two points post-All-Star break in that same game. If you trade JD, I was always against it, but... After starting this season cold, going on that maybe month and a half long stretch where he was on fire and now cold again, as this team is built today with a top-heavy line of Marshawn, Zaka, Pasta, right? Those are your three scores. You kind of need Jake DeBrusk to be at least a point every other game, maybe a little bit more than that to help out with some secondary scoring, and he's just not giving you that, and you don't really have options outside of him. Um, if the right deal came along, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like Jake DeBrusque. I think that he's, um, seems like a good guy. You know, he's looks like he's really good in the locker room when he's on, he's on and he's important to this team and he's playing well, but I am just, I'm getting so sick 
of the up and down, the inconsistency in his game. I mean, this has been years now since really the Bruins have drafted him that we've seen these hot streaks and these cold streaks. And when he's hot, we say, hang on, he's going to get cold and then he gets cold. And when he's ice cold and can't find the back of the net, we keep saying, well, just wait for him to turn the corner. Just wait for him to turn the corner. We said that for the first four months of the season this year. And he finally turned the corner for like, what, three and a half weeks. And now he's in a drought again. And like, I'm just, I'm getting kind of sick of it. And like, I don't blame the player. I know like he's still going out there and busting his ass for this team every single night, but it's just not translating to the score sheet. And as of late, the Bruins have a whole bunch of issues right now, but like Jake DeBrusque's play as of late, isn't helping any of them. Um, so like you said, if the right deal comes around, I would have no issue with trading Jake DeBrusque, but I almost think of him like Olmark where I don't know if I'm actively shopping him. I'm definitely listening to him in, in deals. And if there's a trade that the Bruins want to do and they need to include DeBrusque to, you know, get the deal done. All right. Then that's, you know, what I would do. But I mean, the guy's a, a pending free agent. No idea what his number is going to be. He's not producing offensively this year at all. Um, and I think, honestly, despite all that, he's still kind of a hot ticket around the league. I still think teams are going to be very interested in acquiring Jake DeBrusque. So, right deal comes around. Yeah. I mean, I was in the same boat as you. I didn't want to move him earlier in the season. But yeah, I've, I've come around to shipping off Jake DeBrusque if the price is right. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like a team friendly deal, um, what would that look like to you? Like maybe another, I mean, I don't want to say another bridge because he's at that age where he's not really looking for a bridge deal. Yeah. But like three and a half mil, maybe. Like, Which is funny because like uh, three weeks ago, we were talking yeah. about getting six. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I would like I, I, at this point, I'd give him, th- I'd give him three years. And I'd give him uh, three years, like fourteen, like four point two five. See, I don't even. I think because the guy, I mean, the guy does have two seasons where he's been knocking on thirty goals. So, like, he uh, he's again, and I keep coming back to it. He is capable. It's just doing it. Like, yeah. oh my god, there's so many guys in this team who are capable, but it's just actually doing it that they struggle with. And Jake DeBrusque fits that bill to a T. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I would do that. I mean, the only thing is like, if you don't sign on that, then take that 4.25 mil that you gave to JD and just save it for free agency and try to almost like rebuild your forward core, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, but uh, shout out Tommy again. Keep shout up with Tommy. his articles. Keep up with everything. The new pod coming. It's in the works. Um, but oh, at yeah. TJ Bennett 37. Um, next question coming in from Into the Den is back to work. Follow them on Twitter at ITD Bruins. Um, they said, been a while. But since we're closing in on the deadline, just want to say Hannafin is a turnover magnet that has coughed it up 44 times in his own zone, fourth most of any defenseman in the league. It wow. has an X and has an XGA of 60 of 3.4. The same, the same as former. Why do they <laughs> want him so much? <laughs> well, wait, hang on. Now can you read, those, can you read those numbers again? Sure, gladly. Um, oh my God. 
Just want to say Hannafin is a turnover magnet that has coughed it up 44 times in his own zone. Fourth most of any defenseman in the league. It has an XGA of per 60 of 3.4, the same as Forbert. Okay. I well, didn't know be, this. To be fair, um, XGA, I mean, who's their goalie? Markstrom? He's been on fire lately. But I, yeah, I know lately. the team is, yeah, the team as a whole is not, Yeah, you know. And I mean, turnovers in his defensive zone. I mean, that's holy con- shit. He's passing, the, his, he's giving it to hot dog vendors in the breakouts out there. I mean, they got nobody <laughs> for him to pass the puck to. Um, they got no defensemen. Their team sucks. Markstrom, you just said, has been good as of late, but he hasn't been good this whole, uh, he hasn't been as good this whole season as, as Swayman has been, who's, or Olmark for that matter. Um, so you can't hold all that against him. It's almost like um, what's his name, Hampus Lindholm, when he was in Anaheim, and like his numbers were were atrocious out there. But like you kind of read between the lines, you can understand. But still, despite that, those numbers he just put together for um, Noah Hannafin. Holy shit! Anytime you have Noah Hannafin and Derek Forbert in the same sentence, um, that's a little eye opening, a little concerning. But um, no, I mean it's it's Noah Hannafin, like who he is. I mean he's a top four defenseman. He's a top two defenseman on any team. Um, most teams around the league, you'd be an immediate upgrade uh, on this team. He's a left shot D. He's 27 years old. He's young. Um, and I don't I have no idea what his number is going to be. But he, he he would fit this team like a glove. Also, I don't know if you heard, local kid. He's from around oh, the area. Okay. You know how much Don Sweeney loves those local kids. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I don't I, I, I agree with him in the sense that, like, I don't think Noah Hannafin is going to come in here and be like a savior. I think he's an answer to just one of many problems that this Bruins team has been showing over the last handful of games here now. But I do think he makes this team better. So what the price tag is going to be. Some of those price tags I've been seeing are ridiculous and I would stay away from some of them. But again, if you can get him for the right price and if you can get him in a deal with an extension attached, um, I would love Noah Hannafin in a trade. Yep. Um, So shout out to into the den is back to work again at ITD Bruins. Um, We're going to fly through the rest of these because we're, we we have men's league tonight, and um, yeah. we're rapidly approaching um, departure. Um, but we'll fly through these. So this one comes in from Frederick for MVP at Frederick underscore MVP. Um, would you trade JVR for a first round pick? Yes. I have a quick answer for this. Yeah, yes, hundred percent. In a heartbeat. Oh if my you God. trade him, if if you trade him for, if you can get a first for him, just bring Lysol up and, and yeah, and fucking. Wipe your hands and just be done with it. <laughs> Cash in. Um, oh, yeah. But that's a good point, though. I absolutely. And I think he could fetch you a first, to be honest. Yeah. Um, again, another one from Frederick for MVP. Again, at Frederick underscore MVP. Why does Monty shuffle the line so damn much? Bruins lose equal line shuffle. Bruins win equal line shuffle. I mean, it's valid. Your guess is as good as mine. That's been something yeah. I've been trying to find the answer to all year. That's something that I wish that Bruce Cassidy used to do. And now that Montgomery's here and he's doing it, I wish he had a little Bruce Cassidy. I mean, would stop switching some of these lines around because it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um, I'll do one more from Frederick. Um, what is one food you have never eaten because you believe it's weird or gross? Escargo. I've Snack. never had. Sh- I've never had shellfish. What? Yeah, my my mom's like really badly allergic to it, and I saw her have a reaction once, and 
it was at a restaurant. And ever since I saw that, I was just like, nah, I'm okay. Never had lobster, clams, oysters, um, oh, crab. God. Wait, so uh, do you know if you're allergic or not? No idea, but it scared the fucking shit out of me. Holy shit. Wait, so you did you not want to try it for fear that you might be allergic or just because you saw how your mom reacted and it just freaked you out? Fear of me being allergic that I would react the same way. Well, listen, if there's one thing worth dying over, it is a lobster. I'm telling you, you got to try it sometime, man. If you get a nice fat, anything, I'm, I'm a seafood. Ha- I mean, any, I mean, I'm the sushi guy, but like all food, <laughs> I am a sea. Oh my God. Don't get me started. I love lobster. I love the blue crab. When they dump it on your table, you just go to town. I'm talking fried clams, steamers, oysters. Um, what am I missing? Missing any kind of shellfish. Um, oh my God. The little, uh, scallops. There we go. I love scallops. Anything little next, I am a come down the cape with me sometimes so I can force some seafood down your some shellfish down your gullet because right. I know that you would like it. I mean, as long as you don't like bring an EpiPen just in case something happens, but <laughs> that, that's what I was gonna say. I'll that's you can shove as much seafood down my gullet as you want as long as there's an <laughs> EpiPen right next yeah. to me. Oh my god, I can't believe I mean, that honestly, that makes total sense. Uh, my, my grandma was a little <laughs> shellfish, so yeah. I know, like she wouldn't eat, I mean understandably so but like it didn't stop the rest of the family like we were all still hammering shellfish yeah. down oh if i didn't see my mom have that reaction i think i'd be a seafood or a shellfish hound too but oh yeah yeah a little bit of ptsd but um shout out <laughs> to frederick for mvp at frederick underscore mvp um let's see here we got two more so dj alexander shout out dj at dj 23808 from your favorite rock eater, uh, what's the light? What's the light at the end of the tunnel for this dark month of Bruins hockey? I think we nailed it earlier, Mel, and you actually said the words. You said the Toronto, the back-to-back Toronto games. Yeah, that's, well, I, that's the game that I am, and it also comes right after. The, <coughs> I don't think it's back. I think it's Toronto in two out of three, but it's right. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's. Oh, and Edmonton is sandwiched right in between them. Edmonton, oh, yeah. McDavid in the in the Garden. If the Bruins come out hugging in Toronto against the oh. Maple Leafs and they take them down, the Milk Boys in their own barn, <laughs> that could be the the match that ignites the barrel. Because then, if they come home and they beat the brakes off of Edmonton, and don't you know Toronto's coming right back in here again for round two? If they can win those three games in a row, I would. Uh, they're back. That's all I care about are those three games right there. And I'm sure it will be another win streak followed by another loss streak, but at least I will feel better in that moment that they were able to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I, so that I would say let's, let's let that be the uh, light of the, at the end of the tunnel. Oh yeah. Um, let's see here. So the last one is from, um, oh my gosh, where did it go? Right here. All right. So Ethan 2.0 is two-parter. Um, it's been a little bit, but follow, give him a follow on Twitter at Incredible Mr. E7. Um, he said, Oh, it's a return. He said, Return of the bonus three parter question for the pod. Hey, yo. Hiatus. He said, Let's focus on Providence part one. Di Pietro has been on fire lately. How much longer do you think he'll be down there? Could we see a call up for rest? For, for, uh, could we see a call up as a rest for Sway or Oli? Maybe down the stretch after we clinch a spot. You could see him as a full time backup in about a week. You could also see that. gets moved. No, I've seen him. I've uh, seen DPH getting some good numbers down there in Providence. Yep. Um, 
and he was from that Stadnika deal, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a breather, although I don't know if this is the time because the, the Bruins are going through like, you know, one of the most brutal stretches of their season right now. So I don't know if it's the time to call up a backup and give him his first NHL start. But um, if they can figure things out and get in a little streak here and you want to give Swayman or Omar a breather and DPH is still playing well down in Providence. I'm always all for it. I mean, if you can, if you can fit um, a rest day in there for one of these goalies and hopefully still escape with a win and give a guy a, 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 an earned opportunity, I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Um, part two, he said, with Steen on waivers, do you think he could become a part of a trade package? I would say maybe, but like he probably has, you know, in NHL, well, when you go for the trade, he has the, the tiniest sliver yeah, of yeah. value. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's him. I was going to say the only thing about that is there's there's nothing lower than a seventh round pick. Like maybe if there was <laughs> 30 rounds in the NHL draft, he could be traded for one. But I mean, the guy's been put on waivers like six times in his career and nobody has ever claimed him. Yeah. He just had his longest professional stint of his career. He was up here for like 30 games. They put him through waivers and still nobody claimed him. So I think, um, no, I don't, I don't think you're, I think you're going to have a hard time trading Steen just because nobody wants him. <laughs> yeah. Um, part three, he said, what the hell is in the water in Providence? Patrick Brown suddenly figures out how to play hockey and is now at five goals, nine assists, 14 points through 21 games played. Damn. You know, some he's of those a, guys are just made, to, they're just built to produce in the AHL. And that's yeah. fine. He's, he's an, an AHL a- superstar. Superstar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a P Bruins weapon, man. And you yeah. know what? We're, we're not just battling for Stanley Cup around here. We're also battling for the Calder as well. And, um, I mean, Patrick Brown might be the piece to, to push the baby Bruins over the edge of this year. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, shout out to everybody for the voicemails. Um, shout out everybody for the DMs. Um, E2.0 making his big return here um, after a two-week hiatus. But listen, episode 81 of the Something's Brewing podcast, um, closing in on 100. Um, it's crazy. But um, as always, we're brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. You can give them a follow on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can give the Bruins something, something's Bruin, <laughs> a follow on Twitter at Bruin something. Give us a follow on YouTube. We post shorts at something's Bruin. Sometimes we'll post full episodes. Really depends on how much space I have on my laptop for <laughs> to, to see if I can get this thing downloaded on uh, YouTube. But um, yeah. Bruins right now, a terrible month, terrible month and a half of hockey for Boston. But listen, it's always better to deal with adversity now rather than be cruising into playoffs and then get just absolutely stonewalled when you least expect it. Um, This team is still good. We got about a week and a half, maybe two weeks until trade deadline day. This team, maybe it's going to look different. You know, um, maybe we'll have – a solidified number one starter. Maybe we won't. Maybe Jake DeBrusque will still be a part of this team. Maybe he won't. Um, Lysel, Laura, Patra, hopefully they say, keep your assets. Don't trade any draft picks. You barely have any as it is. <laughs> with, listen, this team, still good. This team, still first place in the Atlantic. This team, still first place in the East. This team, second in the league. Episode 81 of Something's Brewing Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Double MG. Jay, I got it. I got it.
Four stacks for the hills, I'm a complete. Car seat still smelling like 10 keys. Tell a plug that I'm looking for an increase. Wingstop, fat boy, need a 10 piece. Say I take a name in the car start. Section switching lane to lane like Walmart. Sipping Bordeaux, I'm Bordeaux. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. 